the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit as a miraculous, supernatural work of God, lived a sinless life, died a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Does everybody get that? Now listen, when you take away all of that, you have just corrupted the true message of Christianity. And this, you know, look, again, you know, it's part of my responsibility. I'm just trying to quit people. I want people to understand differences. I want you to understand why you believe what you believe. I want you to dig things out from Scripture. Don't take my word for it. You go into the Bible yourself, you dig it out, you read it for yourself. There are basic truths about Christ that all believers hold on to. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Jesus did all this to save all people from complete separation from God forever. But today, Pastor Gary will remind you that you don't have to take his word for it. In fact, he'll encourage you not to simply believe because he did it. Dig into the Word and meet Jesus in Scripture. You'll learn all of this is true, and you'll know for certain for yourself. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Now look, Jesus was a normal kid, okay? He fell down, he scraped his knee, and he cried. Okay, that's not sin. He's building a bookshelves with his father in the carpenter shop, and he accidentally hits his thumb with the hammer. He's going to yell. He's not going to yell what you might yell, but he's, <laughs> but he's going to yell, okay? Because he experiences pain and sorrow and emotion. But at the point of actually crossing into anything that was sinful, tempted, yes, sinful, no, the Bible says. And thus then he was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now, after saying all this, I, I, will, I will muddy the water a little bit, and I will tell you this, for those of you who like to study this kind of thing and dig it out further, that a wonderfully respected um, scientist and mathematician, Dr. Henry Morris, and I've quoted him on numerous occasions, he went home to be with the Lord in 2006. I, I had the occasion of meeting him before he died. But he was the department head of mathematics at Virginia Tech for decades. And he wrote from a a brilliant scientific mathematician, he wrote great commentaries, uh, particularly in the first 10 chapters of the book of Genesis. Check out anything from Dr. Henry Morris. Great stuff out there. But he, he also has written some commentaries about the virgin birth of Jesus as it relates to Mary. And one of the things that Dr. Morris believes is that Jesus didn't even, not only did he not inherit a sin nature, 
because he was born by, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of God, but that he also did not share any of Mary's genetic makeup whatsoever. And, and he, he looks to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 for that, which tells us this in Hebrews 10, 5. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Uh, speaking about the Lord. And Dr. Morris says that, that in that, it's telling how Jesus speaks about how God prepared a body for him, that in the same way that Adam was created, and the same way that the universe was created, here's that Latin term, ex nihilo, that the universe was created out of nothing, that in a similar way, the body of Jesus was created, prepared out of nothing, and that Mary simply served somewhat as a surrogate, her body nurtured and then gave birth in a very natural way to Jesus, but that Jesus did not even get the split share of her chromosomes or genetic makeup. That, he was, that Jesus was entirely conceived by the Holy Spirit, out of material, by God, from God, giving birth to God, but that he didn't even share Mary's makeup whatsoever. So it, it, there's, there's great debate about, did, did Jesus share any genetic makeup with Mary whatsoever? For example... You know, I tend to lean away from actually what Dr. Morse interprets that. And, and I think that perhaps Jesus shared some genetic makeup of Mary in terms, in terms of like, you know, some, some DNA, but not the sin nature because that comes exclusively from the father, from the male, from the seed. So, you know, did he look a little bit like Mary in some ways? Did he look like his stepbrothers and sisters in some ways? Perhaps. Uh, you can go home and, you know, research all of this and come out to whatever conclusion. The bottom line is that, and that Dr. Morris makes clear, and that anybody needs to understand and make clear and embrace if you are going to recognize the doctrine of the virgin birth, and that is that Jesus was not born with a sin nature. He was born without a sin nature, because he was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of God, sinless, without sin nature, sinless during his lifetime, dying as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Mary was a virgin when she conceived. But here's where we would depart from the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church teaches, again, straight out of the Catechism, that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Christ. And Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, makes it clear in verse 3 that Mary gave birth to four other sons. They are named in Mark 6, 3, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and daughters, plural, at least two. It doesn't give us their names. So that in addition to Jesus... Jesus had at least six siblings. Uh, so, again, you know, to, to just look at Scripture at face value and to read it for what it says, it, it would seem to indicate that later, after Jesus was born, that Mary and Joseph, being married, had regular sexual relations as a husband and wife, and that Mary was no longer a virgin, and that she gave birth to at least six other children. So there, there's a difference there as, as well. Um, the Roman Catholic Church also teaches that Mary lived a perfectly sinless life uh, even afterwards, and um, that she is co-redeemer 
that she participated with Christ in the painful act of redemption and that Mary is co-mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petitions. And that's why Mary is often prayed to uh, by uh, Roman Catholics, although, again, those things we don't see in Scripture. So uh, just as, a, as points uh, to distinguish why we believe what we believe, as, as you understand the virgin birth, it is significant that we all agree that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Mary gave birth to him. Jesus was born without a sin nature because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit as a miraculous, supernatural work of God, lived a sinless life, died a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Does everybody get that? Now listen, when you take away all of that, you have just corrupted the true message of Christianity. And this, you know, look, again, you know, it's part of my responsibility. I, I'm just trying to quit people. I want people to understand differences. I want you to understand why you believe what you believe. I want you to dig things out from Scripture. Don't take my word for it. You go into the Bible yourself, you dig it out, you read it for yourselves. But again, th- this is why when you look at the Mormon doctrine that Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer, you, you have now corrupted the sinless nature of Christ because you're not making him God in flesh. Jehovah's Witnesses who teach that the Archangel Michael is really Jesus. Jesus is really the Archangel Michael. You've now corrupted the incarnation of God coming into the earth supernaturally. So whenever there is a, a corruption of the basic doctrine of the virgin birth, you have just made the cross null and void. Jesus has to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And the only way He can be perfect is for Him to be God in flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later in John 1, 14, it talks about how, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And for purposes of distinguishing this this incredible mystery of the Trinity, then he is often referred to one God in three persons as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But one God, three in persons or personality. And, and so this is somewhat complex, although, you know, on its face it, it can be easily grasped, but must be understood. Otherwise, we make the cross null and void. Jesus is God, comes in flesh, born of a virgin because his father is in heaven is the seed not a human being and he lives a sinless life and dies a perfect sacrifice now all right having said all of that verse 39 so at that time mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of judea where she entered zechariah's home and greeted elizabeth this is her relative now i think king james bible calls her a cousin uh, but it's a, it's a generic term, so we don't know exactly how she was related. But she was. Verse 41 says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. This is John the Baptist in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Please note that. The Holy Spirit will not be poured out upon all flesh until Acts chapter 2. And so the Holy Spirit is available now to all believers. But back in this day, prior to the giving of the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Prior to that, the Holy Spirit was only poured out upon assignment. And, and Elizabeth here is going to get an assignment. She's, she's going to receive the Holy Spirit. And when she does, you're going to notice here, she's filled with like a word of knowledge here, a word of wisdom, because look what she says. 
uh, to Mary, her relative. Verse 42, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. How does, how does Elizabeth know that, that Mary's pregnant? Except that the Holy Spirit has borne witness to her heart, so that's how she knows. In verse 43, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, this is Lord, not the proper name of God. This is, this is Lord Kurios in the Greek, but she's referring to Messiah. So instantly, Elizabeth knows by revelation of the Holy Spirit that not only is Mary pregnant, but Mary is pregnant with the Messiah. So she says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. How does she know that either? Except again, by the Holy Spirit. So Elizabeth surmises all of these things. Mary gives her this greeting. Elizabeth knows you're pregnant. You're pregnant with the Messiah and you have believed and so you're blessed. And Mary is. Listen, again, the Roman Catholic Church venerates Mary to a degree that that we wouldn't be comfortable with. Um, However, on the other hand, I think in some ways the Protestant church has kind of just brushed her off like she's your average everyday person like you and me. She's not your average everyday person. She has been selected for a unique, particular, never happened before, never to be repeated again purpose. And that is to give birth to the Son of God. So she is in her own right to be honored to be respected, to be appreciated. She certainly is blessed here, but she's not to be worshipped. She's not to be prayed to. She's not to be venerated. She's not to be seen as sinless with an incorruptible nature herself. She is human like you and me, selected for a very unique and special purpose. And so she's going to break out into song here. This is Mary's song here in verse 46. And again, it is uh, often referred to as the, as the Magnificat because in verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And in Latin, the word uh, glorifies it, um, literally translates magnifies. And it's where we get our word Magnificat. So she's going to glorify the Lord here as she breaks out into song. And, and she says in verse 47, it says, And my spirit rejoices, here it is, in God, my Savior. She knows that even she needs a Savior. So as much as we should appreciate, respect, admire, understand how she is certainly blessed, that is a word that is used several times to describe her, that even though she's all those things, she herself knows that she needs a Savior. And verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. That is true. She is blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful 
to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So this beautiful song, you know, wouldn't you love to know the tune to this and how, and how it sounded as she just kind of uh, breaks out into song here, just glorifying the Lord and thanking Him for who He is and for an incredible special purpose for which He has selected her. And she's just rejoicing uh, with her relative Elizabeth uh, about all of this wonderful news. Well, in verse 57... Let's see if we can finish out chapter 1 here tonight. In verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. So it it tells us here, you know, this is a great event. Neighbors come together. They're rejoicing for her. Why? Because Elizabeth, the Bible says, is elderly. We don't know exactly how old she is, and it's improper to ask a woman her age anyway, so maybe that's why it's left out. But, um, but, But she's up there. Gabriel, the angel, even refers to her as she's an old woman. Uh, who lived in a shoe. Okay, not the, not the last part. But she is an old woman, and she's given birth here. So, of course, the, the neighbors are going to come out for this. What a wonderful occasion here. She's never been able to have children, and now she's had a child here. They circumcise him on the eighth day, which was uh, consistent with the Jewish law that every Jewish male should be circumcised, and on the eighth day. Then, and God was specific about that. And even if the Sabbath was, fell on the eighth day, you were to still circumcise your son. It was not a violation of the Sabbath. Uh, and we know now, because we have you know, a, a little more information and insight into some of these things, but on the eighth day, in, in a baby's body, vitamin K is released. And vitamin K is necessary for clotting. And so it's, it's very interesting that coinciding on the eighth day is when the baby boy should be circumcised. And, um, and the, the, the neighbors thought that he would be named Zechariah Jr. And that's, that's what they're expecting. Hey, Zechariah, you have a son here. You're going to name him, you know, Zech Jr. And instead, his mother spoke up because, remember, Zechariah can't speak. He's been mute this whole, the whole nine months back at, earlier in chapter 1 because he, he did not believe the angel Gabriel. So he's, when he didn't believe, Gabriel struck him silent, made him mute. So he can't speak up, but he's communicated this, probably no doubt in writing. And so Elizabeth knows, no, 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 he's to be called John. And she speaks up, he's to be called John. And his name in Hebrew, John, is Yohanan. Yohanan means Yahweh, God, is gracious. God is gracious. And this is the name that angel Gabriel said he was to be called. And they said to her, verse 61, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs. This is kind of funny, I think. Look at this verse. They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Why is that funny to me? Because he's not, he's not deaf. Dad can't talk. He's mute. But they're making signs to him. What, what do you want to call him? Do you ever do ridiculous stuff like that? Particularly, have you ever noticed when there's a language barrier? Okay, you speak English and somebody else you're trying to communicate to, they speak Spanish, you don't speak any Spanish. What do you, what do you try? You start re- resorting to signs like you're playing charades and you start talking louder like they're deaf. I want to know if you would like to go eat dinner with me. It's just ridiculous how we end up looking when we're trying to communicate with somebody that we don't speak the same language. That's what they're doing here. Like Zechariah. 
hey, what do you... <laughs> he's probably standing there going, he's not deaf. He just can't speak. And verse 63 says, he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were tweeting about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Well, sure it was. This is John the Baptist. And it tells us in verse 67 that his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Notice this. Mom, Elizabeth, back in verse 41, and Dad, Zechariah, here in verse 67, both get filled with the Holy Spirit, and Dad now prophesies. And this is what he says. And from verse, it's split in two. His prophecy is split in two. First part of his prophecy is all about Messiah. Second part of his prophecy is about his son, John the Baptist. Here's the first part about Messiah, verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come and has redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He said through His holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our, to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. The oath He swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And now part two about His son John the Baptist. Verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew, this is John the Baptist, and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So apparently he grew up in Palm Springs, isn't that lovely? Now, this is the Judean desert, and he's going to be kind of a wooly guy. He's going to be kind of, you know, we're going, to, we're going to see a little bit more about him, but he ends up, you know, just kind of a wild guy, wild hair. He's going to be eating locusts and honey and uh, an outfit out of camel and uh, a belt out of leather. So, you know, with locust wings hanging out of his beard. He's just going to be, he's just going to be an earthy kind of a guy. This be your man's man just in the wilderness in the desert. And uh, he's going to be declaring, prepare the way of the Lord. So uh, a, great, uh, a great individual here that God is going to use in advance of uh, Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist will be true to his calling as well. And he will be beheaded by Herod Antipas later uh, because of, uh, of his boldness in preaching the gospel. So um, when you read these people here in, in the account, you know, with Mary taking on this incredible purpose for her life, even though she knows it, it will cause her to be ridiculed and taunted by uh, her neighbors. And John the Baptist here with this calling of God on his life, and he's going to grow up and declare the way of the Lord, and he's going to lose his life for preaching the gospel. I mean, these are, these are real people who serve the Lord with real faithfulness and real courage, and may God give us just an ounce of their courage and faithfulness to be true and faithful to Him in our own lives. Amen. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection and that we were able to dig into the Gospel of Luke together. Did you know you could download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you anywhere you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, you can also learn about the church behind this ministry. We'd love to meet you at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. We're meeting weekly in person and online, so please join us for worship and Bible study. You can find all the information you need to connect and get service times at our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We pray you've been blessed by this teaching today on the life of Jesus. Know that we're praying for you too. Is there anything specific we could lift up to the Lord? Let us know by emailing prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time to continue studying Luke right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know